The following program is a production of the Fairfax Network, Fairfax County Public Schools. Welcome to Meet the Author. I'm your host, Emily Godfrey. I'm here in the MTA studio, but joining me virtually today is the dynamic duo, authors Mary <laughs> Alice Monroe and Angela May. Welcome, Mary Alice and Angela. Hi. Hi, y'all. We're happy to be here. Yeah, welcome to the show. Also joining us via Zoom are students from Waynewood Elementary School. Hello, students. <laughs> Woo, hi guys. Hi. Mary Alice and Angela are here to talk about their latest book, The Islanders. So let's get started. Give us an overview of The Islanders. Tell us a little bit about the, the book. All right, we're glad to do so. It, the book starts with a boy named Jake, who's 11 years old. School has just ended, summer vacation's beginning, but instead of being able to stay at the place he knows his home, yeah. he's got to get shipped off to grandma's house. She lives on a small <laughs> barrier island called Dewey's, and he thinks worst summer ever because there are no cars, no roads, no stores, and grandma has no Wi-Fi in the house. So it doesn't look so good for him. But soon he meets two other children on the island his age, Macon and Lovey. And they begin to enjoy wild adventures throughout Dewey's Island, which is a real barrier island off the coast of South Carolina in the place that we call home. While Mary Alice and I don't live in Dewey's, we do live near We it. just wish we did. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we definitely do. But throughout the summer, during their adventures, they also have a little, a little misadventure too, land themselves in some trouble and join the turtle patrol team but through all of this they get to build friendships learn more about the wild and ultimately have the best summer ever and what we thought we'd do is read one little section um y'all read the book kids yes you read <laughs> the book okay woohoo i'm so it's so much more fun when you read the book because now you know i can tell you things and you know what i'm talking so here we are with, I'm going to read the section. Do you remember when Honey gave Jake and his journal? And it's just a composition notebook. It isn't fancy, but she says, you know, we want you to write down your ideas, what you see. If you see a bird, draw it down and I'll help you look up the name. So he has his dad's journal. Do you remember? He finds his dad's journal on the shelf uh -huh. and he's reading it and he's going, wow, dad when he writes about something i can really tell his feelings nice. and, and when i write something it's not so good he says you know when i write it it sounds like i went to the woods i saw a bird <laughs> kind of boring so he decided do you remember he's decided to do what to write letters right to his yeah. dad so he decided to do that so i'm going to read to you his very first letter are you ready should I read it? Okay, here we go. Dear Dad, I miss you 
Mom, too, a lot. Honey gave me summer homework. Can you believe that? At first I was mad, but it turned out to be okay. She gave me a notebook and told me it was my journal. I had to draw and write in it about all the things I saw and did on the island, just like you did when you were a kid. Honey gave me your old journal. I hope that's okay with you. I'm reading it and it's really good. I like hearing what you had to say. It made me feel, I don't know, like you're here. It makes me feel like you're talking to me. Today, I tried to draw these huge white birds I saw in the lagoon. They had scaly heads that reminded me of dinosaurs or maybe even a dragon. Can you guess the creature? A wood stork. But dad, it's weird here with no Wi-Fi or a cell phone. Don't ask. Not even decent TV. How did you stand it? I met two kids here. I was worried I'd be the only one on the island. They're both about my age. Macon is from Atlanta. He's real smart and big. I think he's rich too. Then there's Lovey. She lives on the Isle of Palms. She drives a boat here all by herself. I got to learn how to do that too. Honey said all I have to do is pass a test. But guess what? I know how to drive a golf cart. That's about it. Tell mom to call. Honey's worried about you. She tries to act normal, but I can tell it's fake. I know how she feels. I'm worried too. I love you, dad. Your son, Jake. So that you see awesome. how you, you see how, kids how he's got all these feelings inside. You know how you are when you want to say something to your dad or your mom and you can't. And I think that's the beauty of in the book. Every time he writes something about what he does, he doesn't put it in a journal. He puts it in a letter because he wants to share his feelings. And that's the power of writing in a journal. You can share your thoughts, even if you show it to nobody but yourself. That's it's your special place. That was fantastic. Thank you so much for reading that to us. You're welcome. Well, I know our Waynewood students are eagerly awaiting a chance to ask you some questions. So let's take a few. Who has the first question for the authors? <laughs> Hi, sweetheart. What's your name and what is your question? Uh, my name is Autumn. And how long, what inspired you to write The Islanders and how long did it take? So what inspired you to write The Islanders and how long did it take to write it? Why don't I do part one and you do part two? <laughs> that <laughs> that sounds great. Part one inspired. Um, I always wanted to write for kids your age. I don't know if you all know, but I know I write books for adults. So I wanted to write for kids eight to 12 years of age because I think you guys are really cool. You really, this is your world that we're passing down to you. And I wanted to share with you what I know, I've worked with animals in the wild for 30 years, and I wanted you to feel the excitement that I felt in a book for you. So that was what inspired the book. And then we went to Deweese, and Deweese Island is a real place, as Angela said. And so Angela and I started to write this book about kids 
on Devise, and I'll let Angela tell you the rest. And some projects take a little bit of time and some take a while. And Mary Alice and I had the opportunity to spend a lot of time thoughtfully working on this story. So from the moment we teamed up for this project until the day it was published in this past June, about four years, y'all. But we promise that um, in the future, any other books won't take quite as long. As a matter of fact, there is going to be another one. Yay, I hope you're excited as we are. Book two in the series wow. is coming out next summer. Yay! That's wonderful. <laughs> That's fantastic yeah. news. Coming out next summer. And you know what the title is? I, can, I don't have a cover, but we have a title. Angela, tell them the title. Search for Treasure. Ooh, that sounds so exciting. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, we have another question from Wayne Wood. Hi, what is your name and what is your question? Hi, my name is Kate, and you actually just answered my question. <laughs> so, um, why did you choose Dewey um, as the topic for your book? Dewey's? Oh, I love that. Why no, did that you choose? Actually is, it's a wonderful question. Yeah, it actually is, is a part two of what I just said. Um, I've always loved Dewey's, and so has Angela. We both love it. But it is a unique place because, like Angela told you, you can only get there by boat. You can't, you can't, there are no cars. There are no stores. There's, and for these kids, no Wi-Fi. We wanted to put children someplace where they had a cutoff from Wi-Fi. And not only that, it's a wild place. It's a bird sanctuary. You know, Angela and I can ride down the roads and see coyote in the spotlight. Oh, look, there's a bald eagle nest. And oh, over there, there's an osprey. Look down there. By the way, Big Al is true. <laughs> He's humongous, y'all. <laughs> well, he we really have is king of the island. Well, we have another question from Waynewood, so let's go back to our students. Hi, what is your name and what is your question? My name is Elise, and do you know anyone in the Army? Great question. I absolutely do. Um, my cousin, he served in the army and retired and he actually served during a few tours during Afghanistan. And then my husband has a cousin who's in the army and then my own family didn't serve in the army, but in other branches of the military. My son is a Marine. So that always rang true. I wanted to make him a Marine, but we, you know, I wrote a book about Marines before. So this time we, we thought the air force and the yes. army needed a chance. <laughs> Wonderful. Cool. And we have one more question from Waynewood right now. Hi, what is your I name and what's your question? Hi, my name is Ella. And why does Jake's grandmother seem to not like technology? <laughs> That's such a good question. I'm a grandma, so I'm going to answer that question. Um, Wait. It's not that she doesn't like it. She is, when you love the wild and you live in a place where it's quiet, and you're paying attention, paying attention to the birds singing, knowing the names. It's, it's a dialogue you have with the wild. And she knows that when you're plugged in, it cuts off that communication. And so she wanted, she didn't want that in her life. And when her grandson came, she said, I don't want it in his because she wanted Jake to get outside and know what it was to be in the wild. 
And it's a big decision for all of us to unplug a little bit every day. Angela, do you have any, that's a good question. Do you want to add to that? It is a great question. And um, even though my my own grandmother, when she was alive, did have technology, I will say that it wasn't so far-fetched for me to believe in a character who didn't have um, internet connection because my own mother refuses to have internet in her own home. Y'all, she's never had an Amazon package delivered to her doorstep. What? I mean, that is hard to believe. <laughs> yeah. So she literally is very, she still lives in the 1980s, we say. But it's fun to and show you guys how important it is to take time to disconnect. I loved what you said, Mary Alice, because it is important. If we are too busy being connected to the devices that we rely on and need in our lives, like school and after school watching your favorite show, we do miss out if we do it too much on all of the beauty and interesting things that exist right where you live. Yeah. And you know, I have to remind you that your grandma, honey, didn't have it growing up. My kids didn't have it growing up. We're, we're, you guys are in a whole new generation, a whole new world. Well, thank you for those questions, Waynewood. They were awesome. We'll come back to you a bit later in the show. And now I'd Good like job. to ask if you have a question for our guests, you can join the conversation. Jot down the information at the bottom of your screen. We welcome your calls. So Mary Alice and Angela, we do have an email question I'd like to go to right now. And that email question is, why does Jake's grandmother give him a composition book and make him write down everything he sees on the island? I know you answered that a little bit um, already, maybe you have a little bit more to add. I think that was. Go ahead, Angela. I think, Mary Alice, you, you'll agree with this. What's special about the composition book is it forces you to take time to pay attention. It's so easy to go about your daily life, even if you're outside playing, and to not look around. And you do have to get quiet and seek things out. So I think the summer assignment from Honey was wise, A, to fill some time for her grandson, but also more importantly, to connect him to the place that he's calling home for the summer. The reason I wanted a composition notebook is it's you can buy one for 50 cents, under a dollar. It doesn't have to be a fancy nature journal, just any, any notebook. And I did this with my kids. And you go outside and you, oh, what's that big brown bird? If there's a huge brown bird flying overhead, do you know the name of it? Do you know if it's a red-tailed hawk? Do you know if it's an osprey? If you don't know the name of a big brown bird that flies over your head, you should. Because then you, if you know the name of that bird, if you know the name of the trees that grow in your yard, if you know the different snakes, a long black snake versus a colored snake, then you know what's your friend and what's dangerous. And you won't be afraid of the wild. It's your home. So she made them write it down. So they were, the wild became their backyard. Well, and I just love as a librarian, all the opportunities to inquire and be curious that come from that kind of yeah. work, being present in the moment so that they can take notes and practice observing their situation and their lives. So there's so many great um, mm -hmm. great ways that they can be curious that come out of that as right. well. 
It's a great question. Yeah, so nature plays a big role in the story, and certain words and phrases you use seem unique to island life, like pluff mud and rack. <laughs> Can you explain what these words mean? Well, you have to smell pluff mud. Oh. <laughs> Once you smell it, you know it for life. <laughs> but we call it the low country perfume because it's, it smells a little bit sulfuric, but not as bad as rotten eggs. But sometimes in the early morning, I, I open my door and, ah, there's the smell of the low country. You know your home. What about some of the other ones, Angela? So, um Emily had mentioned rack line. And so the rack line, if you're walking along the beach, which Mary Alice actually lives on a beach, which is nice. You get to go on your morning walks, but overnight, the rack line is the debris, nature debris left behind from the high tide. So you get to see the highest mark of the tide the night before. And so when you're on a turtle patrol team, which Mary Alice is, they're able to see turtle tracks above that rack line and to check and see where the nests are laid. Well, thank you for explaining those terms. And it was so cool that there are so many specific types of vocabulary that yeah. can be used in this. And as the characters in the Islanders learn, nature is full of surprises. After being <laughs> tasked with Dawn Patrol as part of the turtle team, Jake, Levy, and Macon learn the important role loggerhead sea turtles play in marine life ecosystems. Mm -hmm. Here to tell us more about this is our very own Nature Guy. Hi, I'm Scott the Nature Guy, and today we're going to be talking about loggerhead sea turtles. Let's go! Loggerhead turtles are found in just about every corner of the world. They have powerful jaws that can crush horseshoe crabs, clams, mussels, and sea urchins. The debris from the crushed shells provide vital nutrients to the ocean floor. They also feed on jellyfish and some types of algae. The adult loggerhead has a slightly heart-shaped reddish-brown top shell called a carapace. Unlike most turtles, sea turtles cannot withdraw into their shells for protection. Loggerheads count on their hard shell and rough scaly skin on their head and neck to protect them from predators. Every two to three years, female loggerheads migrate thousands of miles between where they feed and where they breed because they return to the very same beach where they hatched. Nesting season begins in April and ends in September. When the female is ready to lay her eggs, she uses her powerful front flippers to pull herself out of the water and up the sandy beach. Nests are typically made between the high tide line and the dune front. The female uses her hind flippers to dig a nest where she will lay her eggs, which look like round ping pong balls. Once she lays her eggs, she leaves the nest and heads back out to sea. About every 14 days, she re-emerges onto the beach and lays another clutch of eggs. In total, the female lays about four clutches of eggs. Each clutch has about 100 to 120 eggs, but not all of them survive. Some of the eggs are destroyed by land creatures like ghost crabs and raccoons. It takes about 60 days for the hatchlings to break out of their shells. They emerge at night and are only about two inches in length, making them vulnerable to predators who feed on them. Only one in 1,000 baby sea turtles live to adulthood. 
but they can grow into a three foot long adult weighing around 250 to 300 pounds. Sea turtles use light and reflections from the moon and stars to guide them back into the ocean at night. Artificial light can confuse them and cause them to head inland instead of out to the sea. When photographing turtles nesting or hatching, special red lights are used that don't disturb the turtles. In many states, conservationists and volunteers help protect the turtle nests. They put up signs where nests are located, and it's against the law to disturb these nesting areas. Loggerheads have been on Earth for approximately 110 million years. They are on the endangered species list, but we can all help to keep these amazing creatures safe and thriving. Here's how. Number one, reduce plastic waste. Avoid plastic grocery bags and water bottles. Reuse your own. Number two, clean up trash that you see on the beach. If it floats into the ocean, it might be mistaken for food and can injure or kill sea life. Number three, reduce the amount of chemicals used at home by using biodegradable solutions. Number four, turn out lights visible from the beach. Number five, volunteer and advocate. Organize a cleanup day on the beach or near rivers and streams. Talk to others about the importance of these amazing creatures. Sea turtles are fascinating, and I really enjoyed the way you used them and conservation as a theme to move the story forward. Yeah. Well, I've been a turtle lady for 23 years on the beach, and in a lot of my adult novels, I talk about sea turtles because I wanted people to learn about them. That was a very nice video, by the way, and I really support where they say don't use those plastic bottles. And if you don't bring, don't release balloons, that's another one. By the, if you have a birthday party, those balloons go out over the ocean. Even if you're not near the ocean, the, the air current can take them out over the ocean. And when a jelly, it looks like a jellyfish in the ocean. Loggerheads, by the way, are this species of seven kinds of species of turtles that nest in South Carolina and in Georgia and North Carolina. But Florida has loggerheads and Kemp's Ridley's and the big, big, gigantic um, leatherback sea turtles, as well as green. So if you really want to see turtles, you go to Florida. By the way, I, anyone in the group, have you ever been on vacation and saw turtle tracks? Raise your or hand. turtle nests? Ooh, raise yeah, your yeah, hand, yeah. boys and girls. Wow, oh, good. look at that. So now you know more about it. I wanted you to read our book, and you say, I know what that is, and I know how that happened. Good for you. Now you know. And how did your writing collaboration work? Did you each take a chapter or a character to develop? How did you how did you do that together? Well, we brainstorm first. Um, that is so important to make sure that we're both on the same page. We both know exactly what our biggest points are that we want to make in the book. Um, and then we would take turns writing a section, passing it back, reviewing it, editing it, writing another section, passing it back and forth. It is very much a team effort. And after we felt like it was in a form that we were pleased with, then it's time to pass it over to the editor at the publishing company. Which is where book number two is right now, guys. We, we, we sent it to the editor and now we're waiting to see what she says. 
And that's another kind of collaboration. We did our best. But an editor looks at it with a whole set of fresh eyes. It's like your teacher when you hand in a piece of work. And the best advice I can give you kids is you want your teacher to read it carefully. And if she makes changes, say thank you. You don't want to say a whole lot. I mean, because it makes you feel bad, right? But if, you, if, if she makes good changes, and, she's, and she will, and she gives it back to you, her goal is not to tell you what you did wrong or what's bad. Her goal is to help you make it the best it can be. Nice. So you work together to say, thank you. Uh, now my story's better than ever. So let's go back to some more questions from our Waynewood students. Go ahead, Waynewood, we're ready for you. Who has the next question? Hi. Hi. Hi, what's Hi. your question? Um, how did you come up with your character's name? Ooh. Ah, that's a good one. Um, well, I know for my, I wanted to call the boy Jack because of my first grandson. And then oh. I thought, you know, but it isn't Jack and I don't want people to get that confused. So we changed it to Jake and Angela has some connections to that name. Macon was changed. We had a name that wasn't quite right. And so we named him his parents were lawyers. Do you remember that? So A. Macon Bowling was the first African-American lawyer to practice mm -hmm. in the United States. So we thought if, if I was a lawyer parent, I'd call my son Macon. And the Lovey, now that's from another book, from this book up here. Uh, she's a little girl from a novel I wrote that was born in the beach house. And she lived on Isle of Palms, and we said, let's bring her over and let her have her own part. So we came, we used her name. Hey. All right, next question. Hi, student. What is your name and what's your question? My name is Kai, and are any of these characters based on real people? Not necessarily. I mean, they're all born from our imagination, but I would say that elements of some characters are inspired by real life people that we know. Um, I would say that, and correct me if you feel differently, Mary Alice, because I feel like Honey, the grandmother, reminded me so much of a woman who lives on Dewey's Island, Judy, and even though that character is not her, I feel like certain elements of her passion and knowledge of nature was put into right. that character. But also I'll tell you something funny, this is true. My mother-in-law, so a grandmother, she had that refrigerator. If you opened, the, if you opened it and you didn't know what the mystery meat was and the sour milk, <laughs> that, was my, that was her. So she, that was based on truth. <laughs> All right. Um, Wayne Wood, we're back to you. Who has the next question? Um, my name's Lucy, and why did you name the alligator Big Al? Oh, Big Al. Because that's his name. <laughs> that's his, he's real. He, he's that's a, what the people on the island call him. He is okay. big, big alligator. And I'll tell you guys, here's a secret, and we've not told anybody in the United States this yet. Big Al is in the next book. He's uh, cool. the, <laughs> it's all about Big Al. Awesome. That's so cool. We <laughs> have one you. more. That was a fun question. Yeah, we have one more from Wayne Wood. <clears throat> hey, Hi. Wayne. What is your question? 
Okay, my name is Ada. My name is Ada, and my question is, do you have a favorite character? You go first, Mary Alice. I'm curious to know, who is your favorite character? <laughs> it's Jake, I think. I mean, I love them. I love all, all those three kids. I have to be honest, I really like them all for different reasons. But Jake had so much to go through in this book. He missed his dad, and Jake's a leader, but he doesn't know it yet. You know, he he's learning about that strength, and he saw Macon was really smart and Lovey could do really cool things with a boat, and what am I good at? So I think I, I felt for him, and when he looked under that window, the big Heidi window, and he put his hands, you know, out behind his head and looked up the window, he I felt for Nate, for Jake. And so I, I think I liked him best. How about you, Angela? I love each character in our book, but if I had to choose, I would say Lovey because I grew up here in the low country, but I don't know half the things that that girl knows. <laughs> and so I guess if I could go back in time and be a kid all over again, I would love to be as knowledgeable and adventurous and brave as her. Oh, we're, yeah. we're back to Waynewood. We're going to do another question from our students. So, hi, who has the next question from Miss Bauer's classroom? Go ahead and talk. So um, really so, super loud because I can't see us. Uh, hi, my name is Kara, and I want to know um, why do they call her grandma honey? And what does she look like if she were real? Okay. Ooh, okay. That's a really tough one. I'll answer the honey part. You can do the other one, Angela, because I'm not sure how to answer part two. Um, you know, when we were growing up, I, my, myself, everyone was called grandma. But now when I started having grandchildren, I realized grandmas were picking their names. It's Nana, honey is a, a name, uh, Mimi, I'm Mambo. But we did a survey and we asked people what their most favorite grandma name was and Honey became was the number one choice. So we thought that was cute. What she looks like changes in my mind. How about you, Angela? Um, so in the book, we did give a brief description um, that she is a petite woman, um, but sturdy frame and that she has um, blondish but salt and pepper kind of curly wild curly short hair um but you know it, honey it changes in like, your mind yeah exactly and and the best thing about reading books is that even though an author might give you some framework of what a character looks like it's so fun to imagine exactly what honey or any other character looks like to you mm -hmm. well thank you thank you waynewood those were amazing questions thank you so much for joining us today everybody wave back good job good job kids thank you for reading the islanders and thumbs we're, up we're very we're very up. grateful and to hands you. Down. good job so mary <laughs> alice and angela briefly do you have any advice for our aspiring young writers mm -hmm. i do i think one important point to remember you know i wrote my first book willie the wishful whale when i was eight years old and I just put it down on paper and I didn't care about how good it was or I just wanted a story to tell. So when you have, if you have a story to tell, get it down, get the beginning, 
the middle and the end down. And don't worry about anything else. You can always correct for grammar and spelling later. That first bit of writing is your heart. And you don't know if you can write a beginning, a middle, and an end until you get it done. After you get that first bit done, then you can get help from your teacher or you can develop it. But that first treasure. And if you can get that draft done, if you write a beginning, a middle, and an end, it doesn't matter if you're published. You are a writer. I absolutely love that piece of advice that Mary Alice gives because I think it it gives encouragement to anybody who loves to write and a great reminder that, yes, you're right. You are a writer, whether you are published or not. My piece of advice would be to read a lot of books and to read books that, that you enjoy, but also to kind of peruse the other shelves and read something different that you might not usually pick for yourself. Because just as each of you is different in the classroom, authors are so different and their voices are different and their stories are so different. From that, as being a good reader helps you become a better writer because then mm -hmm. as a student, you can try to emulate your most favorite stories. What are they doing that, that was so captivating to you? Well, try that yourself with your own creative idea. That's Thanks. great advice. Thank you so much for joining us today and chatting about the Islanders. And I'm so excited for the next book that's coming out. <laughs> Thank you. We are, we are too. too. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. If you would like to learn more about Mary Alice Monroe and Angela May, visit their websites. To learn more about our upcoming programs, visit the Fairfax Network. For the Fairfax Network, I'm Emily Godfrey. Keep reading, keep writing, and keep dreaming. Thanks for watching.